Hello and welcome to this podcast from Fields Church. We hope it inspires you in these challenging times. This message of encouragement is from our church elder, Andrew Gort. And if you'd like to know more about Fields Church, then why not visit our website at www.fieldschurch.uk. Good morning, Fields Church. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the leaders of the church. And it's my privilege and pleasure to be sharing with you some thoughts um, as we move forward into this coming year. Uh, I hope it's not too late to wish you a happy new year. I've been thinking a bit about what it means to wish somebody a happy new year, what my expectations of that might be. If you're anything like me, when people have wished me a happy new year, perhaps my first thought has been, yep, it will be if circumstances are better than the year that's just gone. And there's nothing wrong with that. But is my happiness just contingent on circumstances being either good or bad, as far as I'm concerned? Or is there more to God's happiness for us than that? And I think there is. I think... There are are values that God sees that are are more important than perhaps the values that we put on life. I think in society today in which we live, uh, a high degree of value is put on the the affluence that we have in society. We're led to believe that the more we have in the way of things or finance will make us happier. Uh, but uh, independent research is saying that's not the case. And to a large extent, once um, people have reached a certain level of security in their lives, anything above that doesn't actually produce any greater level of happiness, which is interesting. Uh, Another area that's quite illuminating is this whole one of choice. Often we are told that... uh, the more choice we are given, the happier we will be. But that's proving to be illusory as well. I was uh, listening to a program on Radio 4 recently about this whole area, and one of the things they discovered is that um, the more choice you give people above a certain level, then the the less content they become. It was was quite amusing. They, They did a study on on shops and, and there's, and there's a, a person who advises um, uh, outlets in this whole area and, and he advises certain outlets, um, especially specialist shops, um, not to give um, their customers too much choice. If you put too many different brands of one particular product on the shelf and give them too many choices, people actually buy less than if there were fewer choices, which is interesting. It's almost as if um, people are, are paralysed by an overabundance in choice and more afraid of making the wrong choice than being content with making the right one. So that's interesting. But what, what does make us happy? And the more I listen to people talk about this, uh, uh, a consensus seems to be coming through. And what we're really looking for is to see that 
to know that we are, are loved and are able to love and be connected. And also to know that we have a purpose which we can fulfill and find satisfaction in that. So the ultimate for that then is to know that we are loved by God and that we are not here by accident or chance, but we're here because of his purpose and he has a purpose for us. And so my prayer or wish for you this year is that you would come to know his love for you in a greater and deeper way and to be aware of and embrace his purpose for you too this year. And that purpose will always involve being involved with those around us because God is a God of love and if he's working through us then he's wanting us to love those around us. And that includes ourselves, which is not, that's easier said than done. So by way of a long introduction, this is kind of a bit of an introduction to, to a lady called Sadie. Sadie has uh, recently joined us here at Fields Church and uh, she has a story to tell, um, especially of, of um, her growing encounter and knowledge and love of God, uh, especially through Alpha. Um, but uh, I won't say any more. I'll let to her uh, introduce herself and tell you her story. Hi, Field Church family. My name is Sadie, and I've been asked to talk about an Alpha course that I've recently done. So I've really, never really had a strong faith. Um, I've always been an atheist. I trained as a nurse, so the medical motions of um, meteorites, things like that, um, that to explain how the earth was made was very much more understanding in my mind than believing that a, a god could create the world and could create human beings. Um, however, I experienced something a few years ago which was very strange and it made me question. So I'm a single mum, my marriage broke up when my children were young and although I'm rushing around with the children and I've got a good job and I've got lots of friends and I do lots of things, I always felt very lonely. I always felt that something just wasn't quite right in my life, but didn't know what. One day I was just being nosy and I just decided to go and sit in a church, just literally to be nosy, not for any other reason. And the church was empty and I just sat there and I just was thinking, I think I was in a very dark place at the time in my life. And all of a sudden I felt this overwhelming feeling of warmth and comfort and emotion and felt very tearful but they weren't sad tears they were just kind of everything will be all right tears that you know I know things will be okay and I didn't understand the feeling and I didn't like it so I actually walked out of the church and thought that was really weird so I put it out of my mind for a couple of days and then kept thinking after a while well that was a really strange experience I'm not really quite sure you know what went on there if there isn't anything, what happened? Why did that happen? And it's made me start questioning, maybe there is something out there or there is a faith out there or maybe God or Jesus or, you know, it is to be believable. So 
I kind of thought about it for a little while and kind of come to my own conclusions, um, but never really thought much more of it. Um, and then a friend of mine who is a strong Christian invited me to an Alpha course because she knew that I was quite strong, um, had some interest in it. And I never could because I was a single mum, two young children at home. Um, and then COVID hit and there was an Alpha course online, so I felt that I could actually do it. Never really knew whether I was going to actually do it until the night that I actually tuned in and signed up. and was very sceptical, didn't really quite know what to expect, um, but I'm glad I did. It was the best thing that I've ever done um, and certainly certainly done in my, in my lifetime. So I started watching lots of videos and um, each week and gave me the opportunity to ask the questions that I needed to ask that um, without any judgment, without any preaching, you could put your own opinions across and then um, and get other other people's ideas as well. And the videos were really informative, actually answered a lot of my questions just watching them and actually really made me think about things. It wasn't until weeks of three or four when I think we did about the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden it all fell into place. And I realized that what I felt on that day, not expecting to, but what I felt in that church was the Holy Spirit. And that made me straight away think, yeah, I felt something, so I have to believe, and I have, you know, there, there is definitely a faith there. And that's what made me start looking into the faith in Jesus and God more. Um, I have completed the Alpha course. It's an amazing course. Um, I am still very early in my days of um, the faith, of my faith, um, but I'm looking forward to uh, growing in that journey and finding where Jesus, God, is going to take me. I don't feel very lonely anymore. I know that Jesus is around. I know that God is there um, and that they will follow me and support me in all of the areas of life that I go. And I don't feel that lonely. I feel calm. I feel happy. And people have said it as well. So definitely, if you have the opportunity, I would definitely do Alpha. It's a very non-judgmental, non-preaching way of just to get some answers to those questions that you may have always had in your mind. Um, definitely the best thing for me. So please do it. Okay, take care. Bye. I want to thank you, Sadie, for sharing your story. And thank you for stepping up and encouraging us with that. Um, we're going to look forward to hearing um, more chapters in your new this new book in your life where you started to write a new story um, in your walk with God. And um, I hope there'll be an encouragement for others to think about stories that you might be writing or have been written in your life recently in, in um, your walk with the Lord. Another chapter that you think would be valuable to share with us as, as the rest of the body. We all need to hear one another and be encouraged by that. If you're wondering whether it's something you should or ought to do, have a word with um, Richard Nestor or, or members of your home group and discuss it with them and they might be able to give you some um, direction or encouragement and uh, some pointers to know how to make that um, come to fruition. So thank you for all those who have shared and will. And now it's my turn. And um,
Yeah. Uh, as we um, enter another year and uh, we enter another lockdown, uh, things have um, seemed to be deteriorating in, on certain fronts at the moment. And uh, we um, are looking to get an understanding or to get a, a handle on, on, on what's happening around us and how we should react and uh, respond to the situations that we find ourselves in. And I want to sort of talk a bit about what we feel God is um, saying to us, uh, both as individuals and the church in this time. I don't know about you, but I've often noticed in times of um, unusual difficulty, if there's been um, uh, a disaster somewhere or um, some extraordinary political unrest, uh, uh, a bad weather event, uh, something that is, is uh, worse than normal. There are those who are very quick to um, give their judgment on what it means and think this is some sort of pronouncement of um, or indication of some special judgment on God's part, perhaps. Or this is the time when Jesus is returning. This is the this is the final mark and the event history of his second coming and I've heard this a, a number of times now uh, and it's not unusual and we often do it in our own lives if something difficult has happened in our life if we meet with a, um, a difficult event in our life something that's been a, um, a painful there's a great temptation to think what have I done to deserve this, or um, have I caused this in some ways? It's my fault. And uh, we are quick to make a, a link between a particular event and, and trying to find a, a particular answer for it. Now, is, is this what's happening here now in this time? I don't think it is. I don't think, as difficult as this pandemic is, it's not out of the ordinary, as it were, in light of what has been happening on the stage of human history ever since the resurrection of Jesus. In theological times terms, I mean, the Bible refers to the time period between the um, ascension of Jesus and his return as the end times, that whole period inclusive. So we've been in the end times now for nearly 2,000 years or more and uh, we've seen that there have been other events in that time and other pandemics and wars and disasters that have been actually more serious than that which we're facing now and uh, has caused more distress than that and each one of those events there have been those who said this is it this is the time this is the one and um, and it's happening again now but I don't believe it is the one but does that mean God isn't saying anything to us particularly in this time I think he is uh, to all of us and uh, 
uh, earlier last, um, at one point last year, I wrote a few notes for our home group here in Ashbocking about this uh, very subject, and I put a few of my thoughts down under the title of the four don'ts. Um, some of the things that God is saying don't do in this time. For instance, um, when we we hear uh, somebody say again, "This is this is a sign of the end time." We've heard this so often before. We there's a temptation to to say, "Oh no, I've heard this all before," and, and switch off and think this this isn't relevant. And and um, so don't be um, complacent. Is is one of the don'ts. Don't fall asleep. Don't um, disengage with the reality of where things are. Um, another is um, don't ask why, ask what. Uh, very often we want to know why something's happening. The disciples came to Jesus once when they saw a man born blind. They said, why has this happened? What, what was the reason? Was it because um, he, he was in sin or his parents? And Jesus said, no, that's the wrong question. The, the answer is, what is God going to do in response to this man's predicament? And we need to ask not why, but what is our response in this time? And you know, another one is don't forget that um, as we look forward to uh, a coming vaccine and the hope that that will bring in, in establishing um, what we might call a normal life again, we mustn't forget that our, our hope is, is founded on more than a vaccine, and more than what the medical doctors can provide. This pandemic, along with others and diseases and troubles, are all symptoms of a broken world, where sin has broken in, where man has turned their back on God, and, and um, as a result we see a broken environment in which we live. And we mustn't forget that with all the help that we do have in the, in the natural, and much of that being provided by Christians who have worked in the medical field, the ultimate answer for our need goes beyond that and is to be found in Jesus, in his blood and in his forgiveness. And um, we mustn't forget that. But there is um, one don't that comes before all those, I believe, and I want to share a bit about that with you this morning. And, and that don't is uh, don't panic. <laughs> now, I always think of Corporal Jones when I say that in Dad's Army, uh, one of my favourite TV programmes. And I can remember even as a child watching that uh, with my parents. My dad loved it. He was even in the Home Guard himself during the Second World War. And he said some of the stories in there were not that far from the truth. And uh, he used to really enjoy the programme. And uh, Corporal Jones was one of our favourites. And whenever anything alarming happened, he would he would get in a panic and shout, Don't panic! Don't panic! But did you realise that the command, do not be afraid, is the most often given command in the Bible? I think it's, it's uh, expressed, do not be afraid, 70 times in the New International Version of the Bible. 
that's a lot. And it is given as a command, um, not a suggestion. And so God expects us not to be afraid in view and in the midst of difficult circumstances. He didn't say that because I'm going to remove you from the circumstances, but he said that in light of the fact that he is going to be with us in the difficult times. He said we will have these difficult times. It's a mark of this period called the end times, between his ascension and when he comes back again. And so we shouldn't necessarily read any particular significance to any one of them, but realise that they all point to the fact that we live in a broken world. I'd like to um, draw your attention to um, the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bibles there with you, could you find Mark chapter 13? And we'll have a look at that. And just before, and while you're looking at that, just again, just thinking about how sometimes we think when things go wrong around us, we draw a conclusion that the fault perhaps lies nearer to home than it being more of a, a general malady of the world in which we live. And somehow we, the enemy would get us on to think that, that because we are going through testing times, we are somehow to blame. And I want you to consider it might actually be the other way around. It might be because you've decided to follow Jesus, because you're doing the right thing, that difficulties come. And Jesus said difficulties will come. And James recognises this and he, when he wrote to the church and he said, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance or perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So the trials we face are not necessarily an indication of failure, but of potential success. Teaching us and strengthening us and encouraging us to draw from the help of our God and our Saviour. And in fact, we become stronger and more dependent because of that. Something to consider. And that verse is, is taken from the first chapter of James, and it starts at verse 2. So if you want to read that, that's where you need to go. But I hope you, you're on Mark 13. And uh, here... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and in verse 7 he says, When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Don't panic. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines, and pandemics in there. These are the beginning of the birth pains. So Jesus is giving us a very in explicit instruction in light of the 
trials that we face, the difficulties that we encounter in life. And here he is saying something very specific to us, a definite instruction. Don't be alarmed. These things will happen, but they should not frighten you because I am with you in them. The command not to be afraid is, is so much to do with the fact that he is with us. Uh, like Daniel in the, in the lion's den, um, whether God delivers me or not, says Daniel, I'll put my trust in him. Because he knew that the answer and the provision that God would give Daniel in that time would be the right one. And to meet the need where he was. And we need to look to the Lord for his need. Just to illustrate that a little bit further, as we continue reading in that same chapter in verse 9, Jesus gives a, a, an illustration of, of, a, of a difficulty that we might find ourselves in. And this was a, a very real difficulty for the disciples of this time and actually for many brothers and sisters around the world at the moment facing persecution and he says in verse 9 you must be on your guard you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues on account of me you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them and the gospel first must first be preached to all nations whenever you are arrested and brought to trial do not worry there it is do not worry do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not for you, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so here we are. Jesus is saying, "Yep, there will be trouble ahead. Um, I'm not necessarily taking you out of the trouble, but I'm going to use you in it and through it. But don't worry." beforehand because I will meet with you when the time is right this is the phrase that keeps coming to me as I've been preparing this talk and, and it's this he gives us what we need when we need it in whatever circumstance our answer is not being necessarily delivered from circumstances but finding God's provision in them and in that we become a source of provision to those around us what good are we to this world if we are divorced from it God's called us to be salt and light in this world and therefore we shouldn't try to run away from situations that confront us but be confident in the knowledge that God is for us. I, I loved Emily Cox's testimony last week. I don't know if you've seen it, but I would thoroughly recommend um, watching it again if you can. Pick it up on the website. And uh, Emily's been through a lot together with her family, facing things she wasn't expecting and um, not knowing what was going to happen. 
but she knew God had a purpose for her and she knew God had her life and she knew that he was in control and that gave her a peace and a confidence and she found provision for herself and for her family in that time to meet her needs and to be at peace and we're so thankful for that provision and we've seen it worked out now in, in Emily and Lawrence and Charlie's life and uh, it's great to see. I'm also reminded of a story um, I read a number of years ago by a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. I don't know if you've heard of her but her story is an amazing story. She was a, a Christian Jew and a young girl in the time of um, Hitler's Germany and uh, she ended up being taken into a concentration camp along with her sister and it's her story of that time um, in that camp and how she met with God's provision in that time um, in some horrendous and difficult circumstances which I don't need which I don't need to elaborate on here but one thing that really stuck with me in that story was um, she recounted a conversation that she had with her father this was before the time before she was incarcerated and she was saying well how how I don't feel I can I, I don't know how I'd cope in, in difficult situations where they'd come um, I don't feel adequate. And uh, her father said to her, um, Corrie, you know, if you go on a train journey and um, when you arrive at the station, when, when, do, when do I give you the ticket? And she said, and he, and she said um, oh, you give me the ticket when I need it, it's before I get on the train. And he said, yes. And you don't need to worry about how you will cope in before the time. But no, I will give you your provision in the time when you need it. And that's always stuck with me and has been a help to try and to be a, um, a guide for me when I start to worry about what ifs. And I'm, I'm a great one for doing that and I need to guard myself against it and we all need to do the same and that's not that surprising that Jesus says so often in the Bible do not be afraid so if this is a command how we how do we do that how do we address fears in our life in the face of very real and alarming circumstances is it just a matter of, of self-will and say oh I, I, I won't feel like that <laughs> I'll try I'll just try and block out any thoughts of fear and just use um, the, the strength of mind and try and, and, and keep calm I don't think it works quite like that I, I think we need to refocus our attention and redirect our gaze from the fear to the source 
And uh, to, to illustrate that, uh, I would like to take you to the Gospel of John and, the, and chapter 20 in the Gospel of John. So if you'd like to follow along um, there, then, then turn to that now. But uh, the passage I want to read to you <coughs> is actually a, a situation um, a week after the, the death of Jesus. The disciples were still, excuse me, confused, afraid, and um, and not knowing what to do. And they were self-isolating in a locked room for fear of the leaders outside for fear of being arrested, for fear of potential torture or death. And so, so they were in their bubble, in a locked room at the time. And uh, let's read um, John 20 from verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I think peace is probably the very last emotion I would feel. Being in a, in a room completely confused about the past and the future and not knowing what will be happening. Fear from the outside and, and the terrors that might be there if we were to venture, if they were to venture outside. And then suddenly, what appears to be a ghost walks into a locked room without a door opening. <laughs> I don't know what your reaction would be. <laughs> I wouldn't be peace. But that's that's the very first thing Jesus says, and and the very first thing he expects us to come into. In light of perplexing and difficult circumstances, peace because he had entered the room. Peace, because the disciples saw a man who had conquered death. And they saw that their greatest enemy, death, had been defeated and was no longer the terror that it once was. Here was a man who had defeated death standing before them. They also saw now that they were not alone in that room. He was there. The resurrected Christ. And so knowing that death could no longer hold him, he could say, now 
as it is written in Hebrews, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, you can confidently say, the Lord is your helper. I will not be afraid. So seeing Jesus had defeated death, seeing now that there is nothing that can separate him from you, and also seeing the marks of his love for you on his body. Marks that express the depth of his love for us, forever engraved in his hands and in his feet and in his side. If ever you have a question as to how much does God love you, then the answer to that question is to look at the hands and the feet and the side of Jesus and that will tell you. Don't look into yourself but look out to him. When we see Jesus there in the room with us with that expression of love in forever engraved upon him knowing that Death can no longer separate us from him. We will be overjoyed too. And fear will leave. So in this time, Jesus has reason to command, do not be afraid. Because he is with us. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And to obey this command is a prerequisite to hearing further commands from Jesus. He will wait until we come into peace. He will wait until we've calmed our heart because he wants every other further instruction to be built on the foundation of the knowledge that our hope is anchored in him. Just like Emily shared with us that her trust was in him and that what kept her through such a traumatic and difficult time when in a very real way she was facing the potential of death but she put her trust in the resurrected Jesus. I want to leave you with a uh, by reading a, a passage of scripture from Romans and it's Romans chapter 8 so if you still have your Bibles there please turn to chapter 8 of Romans and verse 31 this and after this message I, I'd, I'd love you to to actually read the whole of Romans chapter 8 because Romans chapter 8 is is, is written in a sequence and, and prior to Romans chapter 8 Paul is laying out the foundation of our faith and the reason why we've been given the confidence to trust in him and that he has paid the price for our sin and as a consequence of that knowing that we are accepted in him because of the blood of Jesus there are things we can reason from that and deduct from that and take courage from that 
And so Romans 8 is, is one of those chapters that say, because of what's gone before, this is the confidence you can have. And, and so let's just read a little bit about that then from verse 31. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amazing words, true words. This pandemic, or whatever it is you face at the moment, whatever fear you face cannot separate you from the love of God. But Jesus is inviting you to look at him and to invite him into whatever you're facing right now. So I'd just like to close in prayer and invite you to join with me, if you will. Whether you are finding out about Jesus for the very first time, whether you've known him a long while, I believe this prayer is applicable to us all. I want to say, Father, each one of us have places in our life where fears reside and anxious thoughts dwell. And Lord, I'm not going to, to justify those before you now. Because in light of your love for us, they fail to stand. But rather, Lord Jesus, I want to invite you in to those places in my life where those fears are or might be hidden. As it were, to invite you into that room where I've been hiding things and hiding away and inviting you in to look at you and to gaze upon you and to acknowledge that you are the answer to my need and I cast my care and those cares upon you and say, forgive me where I have not trusted in you. 
and Lord, help me to know you more and to know you better and to grow in my love for you. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with me this morning and, and being part of, of engaging with Fields Church. It's so important. And I also um, want to encourage you that tonight at seven o'clock we have a monthly encounter. And this is another opportunity to gaze upon Jesus, to take encouragement from him through one another as we worship and pray and share together. Please join us for that special time. God bless you all. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Fields Church, would like to contact us or have prayer requests, please email hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll get back to you. May God bless you this day.